Welcome to Spring the Beacon with Ryan Rieger. Today we're playing Lego, and Daddy has other dice stay on my play Lego. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger. Today, we're chatting with Pastor Jody Pastori. I first heard him on my friend John Sanders' podcast, uh, and he was telling his story about how he has a service business. He's a pastor and also has a very large service-based business in power washing in Charleston, West Virginia. And just some of the topics and the the knowledge he was dropping on that on that podcast made me know I had to get him on my show to talk about how he has created a service-based business and also is a pastor of a church. And so you're going to love this, even if you're not having a service-based business, some of the um, business tips, uh, business experience he's had is going to be very helpful for you in growing your own business. And so I know you're going to love this interview with Jody Pastore. Here it is. Pastor Jody, welcome to Streams of Income Radio. Thank you for doing this. Hey, my pleasure. So you tell me about how you got started. It was so fun meeting you at our, our conference in Florida and just sharing your heart and what you're doing and uh, how you're a pastor and a business owner. Um, so take me back to how you got started in your business. Well, um, that's a long story, but I'll, make All right. it I'll try to. Um <laughs> How I got started was my parents uh, actually are entrepreneurs, uh-huh. and uh, my mother and father were working a nine to five job, and um, you know not a glamorous job. My mother was a waitress, mm-hmm. and my father washed trucks for a union outfit. Um, at that time, it was uh, called Bell Lines, but uh-huh. it later turned into Smith Transfer Trucking. And they had five kids. I had just been born. And um, my mother, like I said, was a waitress. And the guy came to her and says, we're going to shut this uh, restaurant down and I'm retiring. Mm-hmm. And uh, mom says, you can't do that. You know, we won't have any income. And he says, well, your husband works at a trucking company. And she says, yeah, but it's almost Christmas. And every Christmas they laid my dad off. Oh, wow. And so there was no money for Christmas and they were barely getting by anyway and Mm. no toys and all that stuff. So my mother went to the guy and she says, you said the business is for sale. And he says, yes. And she says, we'll take it. And uh, so (laughs) she didn't have a penny to take the business. Uh, and so she went home and told my father, we're going to buy this business. And my dad laughed and he said, with what? And, uh, she (laughs) says, I don't know, but, uh, God will provide. And so, uh, they went to church that night, which my father was the pastor, you know, and they only had like a dozen people at this little church. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, as a prayer request, we're wanting to buy this business, please everybody pray about it. And so this little old man that uh, went to their church, uh, he told my dad, he said, uh, why don't you meet me in Huntington, which is another town away from Charleston, West Virginia. And uh, he said, we'll talk about it. And my dad says, okay. So um, this little old man was totally like an unassuming, you know, type of individual Uh, And my dad didn't realize, but this guy uh, owned one of the largest banks in the area. And so um, he went down there. The guy gave him a loan. Uh, 
Wow. Uh, I think it was a 10 year loan and they okay, paid it okay. off in the first year. Wow. And uh, so they were in business, but they opened this restaurant and it was a booming thing because um, my mother knew that the people working with her had been stealing. And that's why the restaurant hadn't been making any money. Oh, my gosh. So she fired everybody on the whole staff, everybody yeah. except for herself. <laughs> and she got these little old ladies that knew how to make clover leaf, you know, yeast rolls, uh-huh. mashed potatoes, gravy, and all this from their church. But she said, we're desperate. We're going to have to have somebody. And so my family, you know, uh, one of my sisters um, was really young. Uh, she uh, started out as a waitress there uh-huh. and they worked that little restaurant. It became extremely, extremely popular and profitable wow. for homemade food. And then they were opening at six in the morning and closing really late at night. And so my dad said, we've got to pray about this and we've got to get something else that mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, take so much time. So my uncle right. owned a grocery store in the same uh-huh. city. And my uncle was just, you know, I in this profitable restaurant. Mm-hmm. So long story short, they traded businesses. Oh, wow. So that's how my dad got in the grocery <laughs> business. And so as soon as he got, his grocery store. Uh Um, A few months later, the city came by and condemned the building. And um, just every tragedy that could happen happened. Mm. And, um, you know, just, it just, everything collapsed financially. And uh, long story short, I grew up literally at five years old. I started throwing boxes out uh, for Mm. money. Uh, I started mm. stocking shelves. I started cleaning yeah. display cases. And, uh-huh. uh, and from then on, um, the little grocery store grew and uh-huh. it became successful. My grandfather, who was a carpenter on the side when he wasn't working uh, at Union Carbide, uh, he came in and literally rebuilt the grocery store from the inside wow. out. And then we expanded several times over the years. Uh-huh. And then... Um, our competitor who, uh, was three times larger than our business. Uh Um, he was getting ready to retire and I heard about that. Uh And so at that time, my brother-in-law and I, we were running my dad's store. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at my brother-in-law who is a great Christian. And I said, Steve, would you pray about buying that store? And he laughed and he says, with what? And, uh, I said, well, that's why they make banks. That's right. So we went literally with not a dollar in my pocket Mm -hmm. and, uh, we went together and we bought a $1.2 million business. Oh, wow. And that was my first business purchase. Yeah. And, um, what we did is we sat down and, you know, we were used to running a business so lean Mm-hmm. That, you know, I mean, we didn't have one spare penny ever mm-hmm. when we started out to run a business on. So we learned how to really run a business really yeah. lean. And this sounds like basic silliness, but we got his books out. And this guy who owned the business, he was an ex Kroger manager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was paying a lot of money for management and mm-hmm. every department had to have a manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have that in our, you know, we finished in one department 
and we went to the next department yeah. our grocery store until it was done. And then we went to the next one, you know, yep. and we had a great work ethic from that hunger. I always say drives a work ethic. Yes, it does. But, uh, we uh, um, went to his business and he was getting the trash dumped five or six times a week. Mm-hmm. And we figured out, and this is crazy. If we jumped up and down on it, that we'd only have to get it dumped once a week. And wow. so we got our trash uh, pickup like that. And then we figured out he constantly in the wintertime had his temperature set. He was older guy at like 72. Mm. And so his heating bill was $6,000. The gas bill was like 6,000 a month. Wow. And then we figured out, you know, the electric bill and everything. And, and we just started putting a pencil to everything in the whole business mm-hmm. and, it sounds terrible, but we fired the two managers that were making a lot of money and that was our salary starting out. So yeah, we knew yeah. we'd have a, at least a job right? You know, while we were paying for this business. And uh, long story short, we took our business plan to the bank and the bank looked at it and they said, you guys have been running a profitable business and there's no doubt you'll make it. And mm-hmm. so they loaned us $1.2 million. Wow. And so my brother-in-law and I, we ran that business. It became extremely profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a year that each one of us didn't take home a six-figure salary. Yeah. And, um, and I was in the National Guard uh, as a chaplain. And uh-huh. um, my uncle was in Special Forces, you know, the Green Berets. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know any different. I just thought everybody was a Green Beret when they were in the Army. So uh, he called me one time and says, hey, we need someone as, as a chaplain. And I said, well, you know, what do you need? So uh, he said, well, we need somebody who is real, somebody who is authentic, somebody who's not just, you know, in it for a living. And I said, right. well, I wouldn't be in it for a living in the National Guard anyway. And uh, so right. long story short, I went through all the training that it took uh-huh. to get into special forces. And uh, I became uh, a special forces chaplain. I spent about the next three years of my life going into like operations other than war schools and uh, mm. became a combat lifesaver. Uh-huh. And, uh, wow. Uh, all kinds of, you know, courses. And so, um the the Iraq war took off and we were some of the first guys that were pulled up and put on the ground there. And uh, so I didn't think that they told us we were going to expect 80% casualty uh, casualty. So I didn't think I was coming back. So uh, my brother-in-law ran my business, our business while I was gone. And uh, my church, I had a young pastor that I was training coming by coming under me. And uh, he became the interim pastor of that church. Wow. And so when I came home, I just looked at everything differently. Yeah. Um, you know, and I thought, am I going to sit here and put green beans on the shelf the rest of my life? Or am I going to do something different? Mm-hmm. And so there was a, an inner city, large church building uh, in South Charleston, West Virginia, that they were looking for a pastor. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I uh, became their pastor and it was an extremely traditional church. Mm -hmm. And I think we had five doctors at that time and three or four lawyers and everyone there were scientists or professionals and and they still are to this day. But um, I've been there for 16 years. Wow. uh, 
I thought that what they needed was the traditional pastor role because that's what the, these older people expected mm-hmm. and uh, that I would be in the office, you know, eight to four every day. Mm-hmm. And so I sold my uh, business uh, to my brother-in-law, my half of that business. Uh-huh. And so uh, he uh, bought the whole business from, from me. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have any business for about two years. Uh-huh. And uh, it was killing me. You're miserable because you're an entrepreneur. I was miserable. I was yeah. wired for business. Yes. I mean, it wasn't just something that my parents had. It's something yeah. that I loved. It was a passion. Yeah. It was something that I enjoyed serving the public. I love people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're standing in a grocery store and there's 8,000 people a week that are coming through your doors mm-hmm. and believe it or not, Ryan, I would say, hello, Mr. Rieger. How are you yeah. today? when they walk yeah. through the front door? Uh, because, you know, they were the same people from this small town and, mm-hmm. and they just cir- circulated every week. You'd see That's them right. come in sometimes three or four times a week. And yeah. I love that part of it. And if they had a problem, I could go talk to them and counsel. Yes. And, and it was just, you know, it was wonderful. You were doing so, ministry right there in the grocery store. It really was. And here I was sitting in a, a church office um, eight hours a day. And I was entertaining old people yeah. and they were getting sick and they were dying and the church was dying. Mm-hmm. And uh, since I was there, um, the funeral homes nearby, they all wanted me to come and do funerals for him because everybody loved the way I did funerals. Yeah. Uh, now that's a terrible thing to say about somebody, isn't it? But they loved the way that I did funerals, uh, yeah. because I would ask things that were personal, you know, yeah. what were their favorite scripture? What was their, you know, but yeah. anyway, um, even if they weren't believers or Christians or anything else, I could always find something that was good that people had in common to say about them. So I was doing three or four funerals a week and sitting with old people all day that were dying. And then um, because of all my contacts, I ended up uh, being hired as a part-time hospice chaplain in the evenings. Okay. Okay. So here I was a national guard chaplain, a hospice chaplain in the evenings. I was, all day at the church with the older people. And I got so depressed with death, dying, you know, just everything that I had to do something. And I had my older deacons and I brought them in and I said, guys, I'm dying here. I am about to die. This is killing me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I went to really, they, they, they didn't see it from the outside, but I was in a really depressed, you know, state and I told them I've got to do something. And they said, well, pray about pastor, whatever you want to do, we're, we're behind you all the way. Yeah. And they were. And so I found an old building where a grocery store used to be, and it was closed and it'd been closed for a couple of years. Uh-huh. And so all the equipment was not any good or anything, but long story short, because I still had contacts in the grocery industry, I bought this old building. I put a grocery store back into it put new equipment, but it was used. You know, I bought uh, through my contacts in the grocery industry. I put uh, another grocery store in there and it took off. It was really successful and did great. Uh Um, That was what I was used to as in a service industry. But Mm -hmm. I said that all to say this, all of the basic principles in the service industry apply to every service industry. Mm -hmm. 
all the basic principles are all the same. Yeah. For instance, you have to have more money coming in than you have going out. Yes. Um, you have to have the right registrations, license. You have to have the right, you know, tax status. You have to have the right everything for every business that's a service mm-hmm. business. They're all the same. Mm-hmm. So I had a friend of mine who was always happy and and he he ate breakfast with me three or four times uh, a week. Uh, and, uh, he was a pastor friend also, his name was Dave and, uh, Dave had a son who was a friend of mine. His name was Chris and Chris had a brain tumor and, uh, it was cancer and it was terminal. And, uh, Dave was, was one of these guys. He was about like, um, oh gosh, he was, he was like a professional comedian. He was just hilarious. He just cracked up about everything, you know, practical joker and all that stuff. But we came to breakfast one morning and he, I could tell he was depressed and he was trying to hide it. And I said, Dave, what is wrong with you? And he says, what do you mean? And I said, is Chris sick? And he said, Chris is doing better than he's ever done in a long time. And I said, okay, then, then this was always my, my saying I would ask him is what's eating Gilbert grape. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you've ever seen that that movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, so what's eating Gilbert grape? And he said, seriously. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, I'm trying to sell my business and retire. Mm -hmm. And he said, but I've got a lot of people that want it. And this was, you know, 9-11 hit and all this stuff. And he says, but they don't have the money and they can't get financing. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. Um, I said, uh, then let's talk about it. So we sat down and I looked at his his, uh, books and uh, he really wasn't making money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, you know, Dave, it's probably going to be really hard to sell that. I said, how much were you wanting for it? And he said, I need fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And I said, and that would allow you to retire and do what you want, you know, with your family and everything. And mm-hmm. he said, yeah. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, then I'll write you a check. Wow. So I wrote him a check, and I took over his three vans. Okay. Uh, I didn't know anything about pressure washing. You know, I'd never washed a house in my <laughs> yeah. life. Uh, never washed anything like that in my life, but, uh, I took over the business and I didn't realize his vans were antiques and the equipment was so antiquated that it was, I mean, it broke down. You, you'd run it for 30 minutes and you'd have to repair it for an hour. Oh my God. And, and so I, um, started going to trade shows mm-hmm. and I started buying new equipment And then I started taking my employees that I hired with me to these trade shows. And um, we decided what new equipment that we wanted, what processes we were going to use. Everything that you do in any service business, I repeat, is always the same. Mm. We made standard operating procedures for my guys and they bought into it because they were the ones making it. And um, long story short, um, we, uh, expanded the business and right now I have nine trucks on the road and, um, I've had up to 42 employees in this business Uh and, um, I treat them extremely well and they treat me extremely well. And, um, we expanded into, um, landscaping. We expanded into, um, painting, professional commercial painting. We expanded into, uh, one time we built a bridge 
literally. Um, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, I've told everyone who works for me, the only thing that I never want to hear you tell a customer is that we don't do that. Mm. If they ask you, do you know somebody that does this? You tell them, yes, we do that. And we're the best at it. And we're professionals. Mm. And um, what I do is I go and I find someone to subcontract that for me. And then they wear our uniforms. They ride along in our trucks with our guys. And then we bring the equipment and the things in that we need to do. At one time I had five car washes. I had detail shops, tire store, supermarket, a, um, Oh my, let me think (laughs) all these businesses running. Yeah. And then, um, when COVID hit, um, we opened up a sanitizing business mm-hmm. that we still, to this day, we're spraying uh, businesses for COVID. Wow. And so instead of gearing down or, or slowing down when COVID hit, our business just exploded and mm. expanded. And I couldn't hire people fast enough. I couldn't buy equipment fast enough. And I couldn't. Did you have that when that happened? Did some one of your customers come to you and say, "Hey, do you do you spray, or did you just know that there would be an opportunity and you just uh, went ahead and?" No, the strangest thing happened. Um, I had a friend in Cincinnati, and this is what happens when you have an open hand. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not saying that to, to just say you know I'm some great guy or anything, but but I've always. I've always thought about everything that I own belongs to God mm. and everything that I, that I have in my hand is his, if he wants it. Yes. Um, there was a guy in Cincinnati and I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to say it, you know, and say that he was struggling because that doesn't sound very good for a business, okay. but he was really struggling mm-hmm. and he's one of these visionaries. Uh, that's what I call him in business. And he could see what was coming. Yeah. And he called me and a bunch of other guys. And he says, Hey, he says, do you guys see what's going on in China? And we're like, yeah, we've seen what's going on. He goes, do you know, that's been going on in Japan and they're wearing masks for the last 20, 30 years there. And he says, there are these businesses that just spray for the flu and for, you know, viruses and things like that. This is long before COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And he says, I am making Uh, my own business. And he said, I'm trying to pitch this to people. And he said, right now, financially, I'm hurting. Uh, So if you would come and pay me for the training, it would really help me out. And I thought, well, that's silliness. Who is ever going to pay you to walk into somewhere and spray for germs, you know? And, uh, (laughs) but I thought, but he needs it. And, And I need to encourage him and I need to be a blessing. So I went, and I think I gave him a thousand dollars for the okay. training. And uh, the first job that I had paid a thousand dollars. Paid it back right away. Wow. It wasn't, it wasn't, I'm not kidding you. It wasn't probably three months after that, that the largest account that I have now uh, called me and said, do you know somebody that does this? And I oh. said, oh, not only do I know someone who does this, but I am certified in that. Wow. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with certifications. Certifications are pieces of paper. Yeah. That's it. I can certify Ryan Rieger today to be an astrophysicist. Oh, wow. But there's nothing behind that certification unless there is a body uh, who certifies them. So, and it's interesting. I've done so many things over the years 
and I've never been certified in, in any of them as far as OSHA, as far as the EPA or something, but I get online and I get the EPA and the OSHA standards Okay. and I advertise, we, you know, we work according to OSHA standards. We do, yeah. but we haven't paid $10,000 a year to be certified like some of these giant companies. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I'll advertise and we have these big stickers now that we put on the front doors of the, of the businesses that we, uh, spray for COVID. Uh-huh. And it says this business is, is, uh, sanitized weekly by Jody's mobile services, according uh-huh. to EPA standards. Mm. And, you know, that's a big deal when, yeah, you know, COVID's broke out in the community and they look at this business and they're deciding where they're going to shop, where mm. they're going to you know, frequent. And it says on the front door, the EPA yeah. is certified. This place is clean once a week, you know? Yes. So you can imagine the, the business that that attracts. That really helps. Wow. So, you know, I'm not a, a business genius. I just have a little bit of common sense and a lot of experience. And yeah. honest, Ryan, I have made every mistake there is to make in the book, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I just call those uh, business lessons. That was they a good are, lesson. They're lessons. You know, they're learning experiences. Uh, sometimes those learning experiences are expensive. Yes. But yes. thank God, I've always made enough to overcome all the mistakes that I've made. Yes. And so now I, I just I am thrilled to steer other young people and other people who are even biologically uh, older than me, but yet brand new to the business. I love steering yeah. them through some of those you know, uh, around some of those landmines that could really, you know, cause a, a blow up. Yeah. You, you see, it seems like you see opportunity everywhere, just like every entrepreneur does. Um, and That's that can be, problem. That can be a problem it, though, can it? Yeah. And <laughs> what, what I did when COVID hit, we became, we, we came, we, we, uh, our business blew up to the extreme point that what I did is I took a circle literally, and I started started uh, looking at man hours, labor, time involved, uh, mm-hmm. chemicals, machinery, equipment. And what I did is I narrowed about 14 businesses down to one. Okay. Because I realized that the bulk of my profits was coming from one business and that was yeah. my pressure washing company. Yeah. And so the rest of those businesses, I sold them. Okay. Uh, I gave them away. I, mm. you know, somehow I figured out a way to spend them off yeah. uh, so that yeah. we could concentrate on my pressure washing company. And it was yeah. interesting that the more I sold, the more profit I made in the pressure washing company because mm-hmm. I could manage it. Yes. <laughs> even better. Yes. And How I can make spend those more just, time that's a really good lesson for people who have a lot going on. Is there an easy way? I mean, you probably have a whole course or definitely an episode about this topic, but how'd you decide? Um, was there like a formula? Like I'm spending X amount of time on this business and it's only bringing this much. Yes. And did you have some type of like limit? Like, wait, that's, that's above the limit. Let's sell that one off or, any practical way sold, to help somebody think through that? I actually sold profitable businesses. Yeah. And you never hear about that <laughs> very often. Yeah. But, um, you know, for instance, I had five car washes mm-hmm. and uh, those car washes are a time, were a time drain for me. Mm-hmm. And those car washes were also uh, a potential 
and one happened out of five car washes, a potential for drugs going through. Okay. You think you have the traffic of thousands of cars a week coming through this business. Mm -hmm. And if you get one employee who is selling pot, marijuana, you know, whatever, uh, illegal substance, that's the perfect setting for them to get into. And, uh, we had one location to where uh, a person started selling marijuana to the people mm-hmm. who were coming through and they were, you know, calling ahead on his phone and saying, Hey, I'm going to pick it up at 10 o'clock and, wow. you know, they'll wash the car. And he looks you know, down like he's vacuuming the car and he drops the dope down in the phone. Oh my board. goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and so I didn't want to risk my name being yeah. ruined. Yeah, uh, that was the biggest thing. That was a profitable business. Yeah, uh, we had I don't know how many you know cars coming through, but mm. but it was a profitable business. But I, I couldn't be there physically, and I yeah. didn't trust the people that were there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to oversee that type of business. And it's a, an extremely hard business for labor, okay. because if it rains, they're off that day. Yeah, I mean, yeah. who could afford three days off one week because it rained? Because right. yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, so anyway, those formulas, I figured out it had nothing to do with profit and loss. It had nothing to do with, you know, it had to do with the difficulty of, of the time that it took and, mm-hmm. and supervision and things like yeah, that. That's interesting. Wow. So you, you were able to concentrate on what was working really well and then it actually expanded. I've never had a business that I didn't make money in. You yeah. Know? Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, when I know uh, typically on my podcast, we're talking about ways to make money online, but um, you're, you're the service path and you're helping. We're doing the, yes. uh, of that path in the entree pastures group that I'm helping to build out. And so talk to me about the, um, the person that you, you've helped many people get started. So, and you talk about what can you do? So the part, think about the person listening that's maybe not started an online business yet, or maybe they have, and they're like, you know what, this just doesn't feel right. This is not me. I'm a more go outside, get my hands dirty type of guy. How do you take, how do you walk through somebody? um, Some of those ideas that you talked about gutters and pressure washing. Um, You had some great examples on John's podcast of if you're, if you're good at painting, go do this. So run through some of those examples of what you, if I was a person that was looking for ways to make money pretty quickly, um, what would, what would you sit down? We were going, sit down over coffee. What are some of the questions that you'd ask or ways, how would you steer me in, in the service direction? Well, there, there are two ways that I would look in the going into service direction. The first thing is like you're saying is what skills do you have and what are you good at? And that's what we talked about on John's podcast. Uh However, having said that, like I said before, everything in the service industry and probably a lot of businesses in general are the same basic principles. Mm -hmm. You are selling your service. And so you literally are selling your time. Right. Okay. So there are a million services out there that are not being done um, just because the right connections haven't been made. Right. Um, If I rolled into a motel today and I looked at a motel, a restaurant, a supermarket, any business today, immediately as an entrepreneur, I think like an entrepreneur. Yeah. I look, if there's trash in the parking lot, guess what? 
they would probably pay somebody to pick that up. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a large metropolis area, you're going to have a lot of trash. Now, I would start a trash collection business mm-hmm. with just a pickup truck that I have, an old truck, a uh-huh. junker, literally. Or if I have a station wagon or if I have a Pinto, you know, (laughs) I would get a commercial trash bag. And Uh if I have to loan a trash bag and I'd go door to door and I'd ask these people, hey, my name's Jody. It's nice to meet you. I go through here twice a week and I notice you have some trash floating around the parking lot. Would it be too much to ask you for $15 a week to keep your parking lot clean? Mm. Well, that's $15. You can't live off of $15. But what if I had 100 businesses mm-hmm. that I could do that with? Wow. Well, I've got $1,500 a week in my pocket right yes. then. Yeah. And with that $1,500, I'm going to buy me, first of all, an old pickup truck. Yeah. And then I'm going to buy myself maybe, uh, you know, a, um, um, oh, phooey, I've got a, a brain lapse here. That's all right. Um, a leaf blower that I can Uh blow the dirt. That'll be my next service. Uh And then I would build a business from there. Um, The second thing I rolled up and I noticed your windows have fingerprints and thumbprints all over for another $15. I'll wash your windows every week, Uh you know, go to Lowe's get, here's the secret formula. Are you ready for all the window washers in the world? (laughs) It's Dawn dish liquid and water. Dawn dish liquid and water. Okay. Yes, I know that because I have friends that that are dish wa- you know, are window washers for a uh-huh. living. But I would get a bucket, I would get a squeegee that has the the two sided, and I'd wash their windows yes. while I'm cleaning their parking lot. Now I'm up to three thirty dollars a week for that customer, and yep. every time I would go in, I'd say, Mister Rieger, mm-hmm. respectfully, Mister Rieger, is there anything else that we could do for you? Mm. And guess what? Before you know it, in certain neighborhoods, you're going to find things that are common. Well, do you know anybody who paints? Do you know anybody who fill in the blank? There's where you find the need. You see, you're not selling your time, really. I said you're selling your time. You're not really selling a product at all, but you're solving a problem for these people. All the service industry solves a problem. I need something painted. I need something thrown away. I need something hauled off. I need something, you know, and you ask them what I can do for you. And that opens up what they need done. And so, uh, like I said, you will find a common denominator that everybody needs done. And that's what you do. That's awesome. How did you, um, so I, I can hear somebody thinking I could totally do that. Um, how did you come up with the $15 a week for the trash? I've, obviously if it's a huge, huge parking lot, it's going to be more yeah. than a tiny little yeah. parking lot. Yeah, but, I was um, talking about starting small, Yeah, you know, a guy's got, you know, 20 spaces or whatever. Yeah. Mm. But if he has a 10 acre parking lot, that's, you know, you how would you, um, people are, it's hard to, at the beginning to value here's, your time reason, and figure out how to value your time. So here's the reason also I said, because the small business will have cash on hand. That's true. Um, if you walk into uh, home Depot mm-hmm. or somebody, they're not going to need that service anyway. They've right. got guys to do that. And, sure. 
you know, you have to be a large company with a $4 million insurance policy or $2 million insurance policy. So that's what I was saying that, you know, if you're going to start, you need to start small. Yeah. Um, anything that I would do, I would start small. Yeah, for sure. How do you value your time as a new person going in there? Would you think, um, would you look around at that parking lot and think, oh, this is going to take me about 30 minutes or are you, are you doing it by the hour? And what would, what's a good, obviously a, a good number in, you know, Honolulu, Hawaii is different than, you know, West Virginia or, you know, rural parts of the country. But um, no. do you just figure out like, I want to make, I need to make $15 an hour, for example, and then this is going to take me an hour. So that's how you quote the 15. If or- you, if you need to make $15 an hour, go to McDonald's. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, that's, that's just, I'm just being honest. If you need yeah. to make $50 an hour, don't go into business. Uh-huh. Um, if you can't make a hundred dollars an hour doing something, you've got a hobby. Yeah. Mm. You don't have a job. You've got a hobby. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not being arrogant either, yeah. but if you can't make a hundred dollars an hour and figure that out, then mm-hmm. you've got a hobby and not mm. a job. Um, my uh, company's employees that I start out at $15 an hour, Mm -hmm. each employee produces $125 an hour in income. Wow. Um, And that's how I figure for West Virginia, every, you know, every area is going to be different. Okay. But um, that's the reason I can really treat my employees well. Yeah. uh, Because they're profitable and I'm profitable. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Okay. So having somebody, if you would, so a brand new person starting out, you'd probably guide them to a hundred dollars an hour thinking about that's where you need to start. So this parking lot, um, if it's going to take you an hour, you need to go up and say, you know, Mr. Story, I'll do a hundred. This is going to take me about an hour to do. Um, Well, here's the thing. If you're in the service business, you don't talk hours. mm. You talk jobs. Okay. Because what's going to happen is the first time you go down there, it's going to take you four hours to clean it up and you're going to lose money. Mm. Okay. But the second time you go down there, um, all that stuff that was sitting on the corner, it's not there anymore. You don't have to pick it up. You took care of that. You took care of that. And if you're doing it twice a week, three times a week, whatever frequency that you need, you're going to get to the point to where it's going to take you 10 minutes. Mm. So if you charge them by the hour and you got better at it, it doesn't reward doesn't you help. That's good for doing that. So what you do is you do everything by the job and then you figure out, and I, and this is what I tell my guys every day that I talk to them. You just get a little bit better every day. Yeah. You don't go from A to Z overnight, but yeah. you grow in your skill set. Just a yeah. little, we figure out a little bit better every day how to do yeah. things. And over a year's time, man, you know, you're going to be knocking down some big numbers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You could grow, grow a trash collecting business pretty quick with that way. Absolutely. <laughs> oh Absolutely. my gosh. And so you'd be, you'd be targeting like the mom and pop shops, the people who the, the decision makers passed. are there all the time or most right. of the time. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that was, that would just, that's just one example of what yeah. I would do, you know, yeah. trash, I do the windows. Of course, I'm uh-huh. a pressure washer. And, yeah. you know, they'd ask, do you know somebody who does pressure washing? And, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, I could think of, of many, many, and then yeah. you might get, if, if you were inclined, you might get into the janitorial service that way, you yeah. know, it might be a mom and pop shop. It might be a lawyer's office and they go, well, you know, do you know anybody who cleans offices? Oh, well, we're experts in cleaning offices. Absolutely. 
And the first time you clean that office, it's going to take you six hours because you're not going to know what you're doing. You're going to smear the glass on the mirrors and it's going to depress you. And you're going to, oh, Lord, what did I get myself into? You know, once you get it clean, and if you're going to clean that office two or three times a week, Uh you know, it's going to take you 10 minutes to dump the trash, wipe everything down and get out of there. Well, guess what? The greatest thing I ever did in my business was called getting off the truck. I built my business to where I no longer had to do it myself and I hired employees. Yeah. How was it easy to know where that point was? Um, is it for, no. uh, for you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. How did you, no. um, when, what was that point? What did it feel like in your, because there's this, there's some parallels here with this, with your service-based business and my e-commerce sellers, because there's a point when people are packing and shipping stuff to Amazon, they're yeah. doing the shopping, they're buying the inventory. Then it they also, yeah. And then you, you get to a point where like, I, you feel like there's a, a lid, a ceiling right above you and you can't do anymore. You can't put any more hours in and you know right. that you, in order to grow, you have to do something different. Is that right. kind of how it felt for you too? Like you had way too much going on, too many jobs. You were working too many hours and you're like, yeah, I'm making great money, but I'm always out here in the truck. Well, my uh, breaking point was when I had more estimates to do Mm. than I could do um, because our business built and built and built. And then I realized, and what I did was crazy. I hired a used car salesman to be the guy who does the estimating Uh (laughs) instead of me getting off the truck. Okay. Uh, you know, you think that I would not want to do the manual labor, yeah. Um, but I am wired to do manual labor sure. and I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy, but I, I okay. really do. Yeah. Um, you know, and I enjoy, you know, when you walk up to a house and it looks like a haunted house uh-huh. and you leave and it looks like somebody painted the house. Yeah. I mean, it's just a bang, you know, it just, and my guys say it every day, we love this job. It's great. Yeah. But um, whenever I had uh, just too much uh, business and we couldn't get it accomplished, you know, yeah. we, people were calling us and we say, well, yeah, you know, we're going to be six weeks out before we can get to you. Yeah. Uh, that That's a killer. Yeah. Uh, so that's when I decided, you know, I've got to take on more help. I've got to train more people. And, mm-hmm. and it, it was a slow process for me, literally getting off the truck. And yeah. that was the best thing I've ever done because then my business just really exploded. Yeah. Cause you're able to work on your business and not in your Instead business, of in your business. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Wow. How did you, now I know you, you work with a lot of veterans and folks from celebrate recovery and yes. all that. So, um, What's that process like? Thank you for doing that. It's amazing, by the way. And um, how do you how do you find folks like that? The first employees I had, I had an alcoholic at my church that just got saved, Uh came to Christ, uh, to faith, and then I had um, two guys that I went to a homeless veteran center here in Charleston and downtown, Uh and I hired them. Mm-hmm. And the benefit to that was they have been background checked and they don't have any mental issues because they can't stay there if they yeah. have, you know, mental issues. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that. And also they're disciplined, yeah. they're trained, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and they're also in a recovery program. So they're getting, t- getting tested constantly for drugs and alcohol. So they yeah. can't be doing drugs and alcohol and stay there. Right. So that's where I started. Mm. From there, I had churches contact me and say, hey, 
you know, we've got a celebrate recovery program. We've got an Alcoholics Anonymous program. Mm-hmm. And we've got this guy who's doing really good, but he needs a job. Yeah. And so that's where I hire my people from. Wow. And I'll have two guys that are in the same program that work for me. And they'll say, oh, no, 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 don't hire that guy. He's not going to work <laughs> out. He's a short timer. And yeah. before you know it, bless their heart, that guy's back out into the same lifestyle, you know. Oh my gosh. And uh, we have a peering process mm-hmm. uh, in my business. Um, we tell a guy that we hire, we say, um, um, John Smith, you've got three weeks uh, to show us what you've got. And we're going to train you and we're going to teach you for three weeks everything that you need to know mm-hmm. to do your first position. And in three weeks, we're all going to sit down. And we're going to decide if you're going to stay with us mm-hmm. or you're going to be voted off the island. <laughs> and that's what we do, wow. uh, you know, because I'm not there anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the reason I can talk to you all day if I want to. Uh, yeah. is because yeah. I'm not there anymore, you know, and these guys work alongside of them every day and they'll come to me and they'll say, boss, he's not going to make it. And I'll say, mm-hmm. OK, you know, and then we'll sit down at the end of three weeks and we have a training day on Wednesday. and um, and I'll say, so how's this guy do? And, uh, and they'll say, you know, he's great. We need, we need to, we need to, to hire him or, you know, he's not going to make it. And so I give him, I give him an extra uh, weeks paid uh, check. They, uh-huh. you know, they didn't deserve it. They didn't work out, but I'll give them an extra week's check. And I'll say, man, no hard feelings. It just didn't work out. You're not cut out yeah. for this. Maybe you need to go try something else. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of you to do that too. I'll, I'll give them your process. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's not really kind because it saves me thousands of dollars. That's true. It does. I mean, you know, I don't want to sound like the hero here because this all is practical business stuff, Mm. you know? Uh, So, so don't, don't hear me saying, you know, I'm the, I'm the saint. I mean, this is profitability as well. Sure. Yeah. You're running a business. You need to be profitable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Is it hard for you for, I know other pastors listening to this, is it hard for you to do both the pastor and the business? Um, Is there any balance there that you have to early on? No, no. no. Let me tell you, whenever I started this, um, I I had in my mind and my heart that my priorities always had to be straight. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number one, I had to love the Lord Mm -hmm. with all my heart. And number two, I had to love my wife. Number three, I had to love my children. At that time, I didn't have grandchildren. Uh And then uh, I had to love my church. Uh And then I had to love my job. Mm. Okay. So at all times, I have always kept that order so that if my church needs me, uh, I am there before my job. However, my deacons, my leaders, my trustees, and everybody in my church understand that I do have a job. And so we also have a structure set up that uh, before COVID, of course, when you could go to a hospital, uh, if something happened, we have a deacon family ministry plan. And so if I'm at work at 10 o'clock in the morning and it just so happens, which sometimes we do, we're two states away working Mm. Uh, then I pick up the phone. Uh, if someone's called me and said, you know, their loved ones at the hospital, I pick up the phone and I call my deacon and I say, David, you know, uh, Joe Smith has just been, um, you know, put in the hospital. Can you take care of that? And he says, I got mm. you, pastor. It's covered, yeah. you know, and then when I get home, I'll follow up on that. 
Yeah. But uh, if I'm in town um, now, I have supervisors and things like that, that I say, Hey, you know, you've got to take this man. I'm on the way to the hospital. And so they take over and they supervise. That's when I was on the truck. Yeah. But there were times that I was on the truck myself. The good thing about a service business is um, Mrs. Smith doesn't care if you wash her house today or tomorrow, as long as her house gets washed. Right. So you can knock on the door, you can call her up if she's at work and you say, Mrs. Smith, you know, I'm a pastor and that comes first in my life. And as much as I'd love to finish your house today, I am halfway finished, but I'll have to finish tomorrow because Mrs. Smith is in the hospital and I need to go visit her right now. And I have never had a customer that was not understanding. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And a service business will allow you to do that. If you have a a baseball game with your kids, schedule it on another day. You know, if you're cleaning the lawyer's offices and you've got a key to the place, which we've got key rings this big. Yeah. Uh, we've got key rings to Loomis Fargo and oh my you know, armored car, you know, places wow. that we do. And um, it's strange. I mean, I must have an honest face because I've been in places that, that you know, that, that I'll tell them, you know, well, we need the key to the place. And there's millions of dollars of inventory in there. They just wow. pay me the key. Say okay, take care of it. I'm like, are you kidding? I wouldn't hand anybody a key that quickly, you know. But they have. Um, But but you know, um, if you have the key to a place in a service business, that lawyer doesn't care that you're cleaning his office at midnight, right? As long as it's clean the next day when he comes in, he doesn't care if if you're leaving when he's coming in, right? So if you have a need in a service business, you can service that need. And then you can, you know, use your hours. If you're just a a one man show, like I was for a while, you can use your hours, you know, otherwise uh, during the day. Yeah. What, what's some, uh, we'll wrap this up. What's some advice you'd give people starting out in business thing. And you probably could write a whole book on that, but just any, some tips. Don't go into debt, Mm. uh, you know, with anything that you, that you can't, uh, handle or liquidate. Uh, I talked about my brother-in-law and I mm-hmm. going into business and the first time we didn't have a dollar or a penny in our pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bought that $1.2 million business, but listen to this, the building appraised at 1.2 million. Oh, wow. So you already had, and that wasn't even including okay. all that's that. not including the equipment and that's not including the inventory. So the guy who was retiring, he wanted to retire and get out of there and walk away. And it was paid for. And his idea is he wanted a million dollars to walk away with cash. Yeah. Yeah. And so he did. He walked away with 1.2 and he didn't have to do anything. Literally, he handed us the key and the combination to the safe and the combination to the security system. And he walked away. And that's what he wanted. Yeah. So we could liquidate the building at a million dollars. Yes. So it wouldn't crush us financially right. for the rest of our That's life. Good. And so you have to use, and I call that just old fashioned common sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of people have, a lot of people don't, but it can be learned. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, those, those things can be learned, but I never risk above what I can afford to lose. Mm. I never go into debt what I can't afford to pay off. Yeah, that's good. You know, 
And so I would say just be extremely careful about going into debt mm-hmm. on anything. Be extremely careful about signing a piece of paper that says you're a franchise. Mm. Um, my experiences with the French experience with franchises, and I've bought some and sold some, mm-hmm. is that the guy who owns the franchise makes the most money. Yeah. Um, and that's just been my experience. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm not hacking on all franchises. I'm sure there's some out there that are terrific. Yeah. Um, but I just hadn't personally found them yet. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant advice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else you want to share? Anything else on your heart? Um, listen, yes. Um, what is on my heart is if you will explain to your church or your family or your whoever, mm-hmm. that this is something that you want to do and you need their support, you're going to be shocked about how much they're going to support you. Yeah. I never thought that my church and my family and everybody around me would support me so much. Mm-hmm. And and I think that makes a world of difference. Yes, it does. And when you think about serving in a service business, you have to have a servant's heart. And if you don't have a servant's heart, it will give you one. Yes. If you don't have humility, yes. it will humble you. Yes, it will. Um, and, you know, if you think about going into, let's say, a, a, a someone's house and serving them, you're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to clean, you know, as, as a custodial service. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say you start out cleaning houses, a maid service. Mm-hmm. Um, you go into their bathroom and you're cleaning their commodes. That's humbling. Yeah. You're cleaning their, um, you know, dog, uh, messed on the carpet. That's humbling. Yeah. Uh, their yeah. cat threw up in the kitchen. Uh, all of those things are humbling, but listen to this. Um, all of those things are the things that I think that are most like Jesus because, mm-hmm. When Jesus got up from the table and the disciples thought he was going to give him some great dissertation and some great insight to how to be great in his kingdom, um, what he did instead was he stripped off his clothes, he put a towel around himself, yeah. and he got down on his hands and knees and he washed their feet. Mm-hmm. And so uh, service business is required a servant's heart. Yes. And when you meet people, it's strange people with, you know, there's been people that, that I service that, you know, they, they are some of the wealthiest people on the East coast Mm -hmm. and, and they have just fortunes of money. And when they see your servant's heart, that it's so rare Mm -hmm. that you really are there to serve them you can't lose that customer. I mean, they're customers for life. Yeah. And, and they will themselves, they will take an interest in you and they will help your business. And they'll say, uh, Jody, I noticed you've done this. Have you considered doing this for us? And have you considered, and we need somebody to do that before you know it, you can't do it all. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. It just grows. (laughs) It does just grow. Wow. That's awesome. Pastor, thank you. How can, if people are in your area, what, what church are you pastor of? How can they find you? I pastor the First Baptist Church of South Charleston at 515 D Street. Okay. And you can find us on uh, sermon.net. Um, we have a website, uh, 
It's First Baptist Church, South Charleston, West Virginia. So it's fbcscwv.sermon.net. So if you want to fall asleep one night and you want to listen to one of my sermons, uh, it's there. Yeah, right the now, Word of God playing finished, in your, that's, uh, that's better than listening to the news. <laughs> right now, we just finished Rick Warren's uh, 40 Days of Purpose. Oh, wonderful. Uh, so we, we, we just did that. So, uh, but there's probably, I don't know, 75 or more weeks of sermons that are on okay. there. You can listen to the audio or you can watch the service live or whatever you want to do. Wonderful. But, well, I'll you put that link in the show about my email address if someone else wants to ask questions about sure. service business and, and all okay. that. I'd, I'd be glad to help anybody. I okay. Well, Pastor, thank you so much. This has been a yeah, pleasure. My appreciate pleasure. your time. All right. We'll see you. We'll see you over right. in that uh, Entree Pastors group. appreciate you doing that, too. That'll be fun to serve over there as well. Absolutely. Bye-bye, everyone. See you next week.